Welcome back, everyone, to the Cancel for Maintenance podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we are a show that takes a behind-the-scenes look into the gritty, non-glamorous life of aircraft maintenance. We share some laughs, impart some wisdom, all in hopes of giving you that split-second relief in your day that can hopefully prevent a mishap. I am your co-host, Six. I'm MVP. And our third host, Shoreline, is here again in the back, silently monitoring our audio, making sure our faces stay fit for radio. So this past week, we've seen a jump in near misses, divert emergencies, and other kinds of, for lack of better words, oh shit situations. And then just today, we've seen an article about how a pilot allegedly tried to shut off an aircraft's engine mid-flight. And thankfully, they were able to handle the situation. And the worst that happened was they had to divert from their destination to a nearby airport. But... <laughs> Things like that, man. That, again, a no shit moment. And we felt like this would be an opportune time to refresh our knowledge on some emergency procedures. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, talking about that pilot, right? So, so again, it, it was just that. It was a pilot. And this particular airline, I guess, you know, they're allowed to uh, uh, ride jump seat to get from destination to destination, uh, which makes sense, right? It's kind of a perk of the job. Like, hey, you know, if you need to fly home or whatever, you know, wherever home base is for you. If there's a, a jet going that direction, there's a jump seat available for you. And that's kind of cool. So with that said, you know, you got two guys who are on duty, pilot, co uh, captain and co-pilot. And then, uh, and then the guy in the jump seat, but the guy on the jump seat is just a trained, just as trained as the, you know, you who is flying uh, on duty. And, for that person to, like, again, like Six said, allegedly reach forward and decide to kill the motors mid-flight. Um, you got to, you know, like, imagine being the dude, the pilot on duty. Like, what are you, what is happening? Oh, my God. And, like, slamming all your controls. And see, that's where the training, the hours of training come into play because they were like, nope, 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 nope. And they went autopilot, meaning themselves, right? They ran through without even thinking about it what they had to do. Nope. Power up. Check. You know, check everything, uh, flight controls and whatever else. I'm not a pilot, people, but they went through their checklist and they did it flawlessly and no issues other than a divert. And uh, I guess the uh, pilot riding in the jump seat was apprehended. I kind of, it doesn't go into details in the apprehension. It says the crew apprehended that individual. Was it one of those where like they just kind of willingly, uh, yep, sorry about that or whatever else? They had a, or, or if they really wanted malice, like if they're behind, I guess the pilot, the co-pilot, and we're grabbing controls and pressing buttons, what was to stop them from just throwing switches and buttons and power levers in all different directions? And now the pilot's got to unstrap himself and try to turn in a tight cockpit and apprehend this person, or was it the stewardesses, or was it? I don't know. There's a lot more that needs to be done, but. For no fatalities or, or whatever to occur, uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, so kudos to the air crew and the and the and the uh, that includes flight attendants and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, or was the guy just like, Haha, I got you, like a terrible joke? Yeah. I mean, that'd you be. Know, one, I don't know. Yeah, that'd be one serious terrible joke. You know what I mean? Like, I reach for let's let's call it an engine shut off lever right i mean it has all kinds of different names but let's say he reaches for the aircraft shut off and then you know it's kind of like hi i'm just kidding guys i'm like what is going on in your head to make you feel like that's even remotely cool you know what i mean and i think they said like there were some 80 plus passengers on that plane so now this person's getting like 80 something attempted murder charges 83 attempted murder charges and 83 um there was another another legal term. It was attempted murder and uh, uh, I think it was reckless endangerment, something like that, right? Yeah. So like, I'm no good at math. What is that? 166. Yeah. Cheebus. You know, yeah. definitely not flying anymore. Now he's going to be deemed a flight hazard. Mm -hmm. So if and when they get out of jail, uh, you know, you know, uh, they're not going to be flying ever again, and. On top of that, they're going to be on a watch list by the FBI because guess who was waiting for them at the airport in Portland where they diverted to? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. 
And then, and then, you know, that's another sad part is like, well, that kind of kills the whole jump seat flight for pretty much everybody else, right? Like imagine us or say someone who's, who depends greatly on those jump seat flights to get to their place of work for whatever. Yeah, if you're the head of that airlines or if you're the chief safety officer, whatever else, like, you know, let's, let's take it back to the root cause uh, analysis um your containment action which is to stop the bleeding it's like to prevent this like this will never happen from this again and that is all right no jump seat rides from anybody everybody you know so does that mean these pilots uh hey everybody you can fly uh to your home station or to work on one of our air aircraft if there's an open seat sort of space a for all you military uh personnel yeah like what space a would be but it's like yeah your jump seat days are done Mm-hmm. like buy a ticket mm. man or just hope that there's a empty empty slot <laughs> in the passenger well, bay you know well and then and you know we've had a guest on before talking about the mental health aspects of, of stuff and we hope to have her on again very soon and this is this is actually kind of perfect timing with that as well but uh you know also part of your containment is okay um i know we can't ground all the aircraft and have all pilots go through a psych eval because you know we've still got to make money, but hey, uh, your next down days, everybody's scheduled for a you know your next off duty time. You have to go get a psyche valve done before you can come back to work. Yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, and then uh, and then that would become a normal thing, right? Okay, every six months you're due for a psyche valve. Ooh, man, that's gonna be rough. Which, you know, I mean, but to wit. Uh, kind of almost needs to happen. You gave some examples as we were talking before we started recording here of some other instances where you said a, um, a pilot, you know, destroyed a security gate or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then another one was doing drugs and getting drunk uh, the night before they, flight, uh, yeah. they were, they were supposed to, he was supposed to fly, you know? So Yeah. I think I think it's one of those like all right well clearly and we kind of know this everybody knows this but like now we really got to start looking into the mental health aspect of stuff. Hey, oh yeah, how are you feeling today? You know what? Uh, I could turn this car uh, into the next bridge embankment and end it all. You know what? <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and take the day off? We will find somebody else who's on call. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, and. Um... We're, we're kind of diving into the pilot's realm with this, but, you know, like their mental health and their resources that are available for them to use. It's, it's kind of one of those like, damn, if you do, damn, if you don't kind of thing. And we more than likely pick the brain of our, um, our aviation mental health specialist to kind of answer those questions. But and we kind of talked about this before the episode started. Like, what's that like for dudes on the ground? You know, um, is it just as prevalent is it just as severe but since we're on the ground no one kind of gives a shit you know um yeah or do we look out for each other well enough to where it's like somebody walks in and i can speak from personal experience on this where somebody walks in and you're like you uh you have a long night last night and they're like no why and you're like, well uh i'm getting drunk just by smelling you yeah yes you know or whatever else so we, we kind of look out for each other like, dude get out of here before the before the boss sees you go sit in your car, go sleep it off for a little bit. We'll cover. Yeah. You know? right, uh, right. We've had one person that we had showers at work and I was like, uh, take your ass to the locker room and get in the shower. Yeah. Um, and then go get yourself a cup of coffee and then come back. And they were way better after all that. But I was like, uh, clearly you slept in your car last night. Yeah. Well, after that I drove here cause I don't want to be late for work. Yeah. Well, you know, look, <laughs> Like we all like to have fun, but uh, don't ruin your life and career with this. Yes, right. Or uh, even more so, like say someone was having a, a fairly bad day, and you know their mind's not thinking straight because they're fixated on the issue that happened prior to work, and then you know next thing you know, like they're fudging numbers or they're forgetting steps, um, and then they end up overspeeding an engine or sticking their fingers in rotating compartment uh, components that should never be anywhere near them. You know stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's inherent to us, right? We go on autopilot. How many times have you driven? Usually happens on the way home from work, especially after a particularly tough day where you get to your house and you pull in the driveway and you go, how did I get here? Yeah. You ever do that? I, that happens to me every so often. You're like, I don't, 
I don't remember. I don't remember driving. Yes. And then that actually, and that actually happens to me, especially when it's back to back rough days, right? Like the day ended rough and you go into the next day still rough, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I get it. And, and, that, and also that reemphasizes like these emergency procedures, right? Because like if there's anything you should be really autopilot and have all the muscle memory on is with these procedures, right? And sometimes uh, when an emergency does happen, your fight, flight, freeze or fawn response instantly kicks in, right? It's like I'm either going to jump into the mix. I'm going to be so overwhelmed. I have no idea what the fuck to do or... Not my, not my pig, not my problem, and disappear. You know, <laughs> as as sad as that is, man. Like sometimes an emergency just it, it it makes you yellow striped. It just kicks in so fast that you don't know what to do, and your natural res- response is to preserve yourself, and you dip out. You know, right. So that's why it's important to know your uh, mishap procedures for your area of operation. Know uh, whatever at, you know aircraft you're working on. What are the emergency procedures for? A multitude of uh, scenarios you could run into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, air crews do it all the time, right? As they're doing simulator training, and they'll induce engine outs, um, failed flight controls, uh, you know, failed gear extension, all all sorts of stuff, right? Just to practice those, so when it does happen, like the pilots we were just talking about, it, it becomes it's a it's a natural response. You. You do it without thinking it. And I know in some places that I've trained, we used to, we used to induce uh, faults like that. We would, you know, we had like a little simulator and you'd be sitting there running engines or whatever else. And then, you know, all, engine fire, you know, uh, generator failure, hydro leaking, um, overspeed, uh, you know, a multitude of, of, of situations. So, and you practice those, and every, I know training. It's a it's a pain, everybody. It, trust me, a lot of it's uh, like mind numbing. But oh, but totally. the mishap training or the emergency procedures training is like it's super crucial. So you know what to do and how to respond r- with whatever situation you've come across. And uh, a lot of those, I'm sure many of you have experienced. They're they're either biannual. Um, or annual and i can say for um a lot of us when it comes to like engine run certs and things like that it's uh every 90 days yeah right every 90 days you got to run through and show that you know what to do and sometimes sometimes that might not be as involved as inducing faults or whatever sometimes it's just showing proficiency and that you kind of know what you're doing but it definitely once or twice a year you're going to be going through the uh simulator style training right or or even just like dry run stuff right like uh, uh some places have like a dummy station right like a dummy crew station or kind of like a practice rack i guess if there's no better word for that and you can just kind of like okay run through me all the steps for this type aircraft we're having we're running fine engines going great all of a sudden you have a massive torque variance right or the engine's uh temperature spikes like 60 degrees or something like that you know and run through the motions what do you do how do you do it and uh, as mvp said like knowing no understanding what they are and where to find them are huge paramount and um i'm this might be an experience for myself and mvp but some places where we were at like uh whenever they have a flight schedule or a crew brief they'll usually have like a question of the day kind of thing where uh, to, as they're doing their brief, like, we're going to go fly here. We're going to do this. Here's what the weather looks like. And then they'll cap off that brief of like a question of the day. Like, uh, today's question of the day is what do you do in case of a bird strike or, uh, engine flame out or something like that. Right. Uh, as MVP said, it's there to keep your mind fresh, have it know what it is, where to look out for it, uh, where it is on your checklist even. Right. And, right. Uh, yeah. and, and, and what they'll actually do is read straight from the manual during that briefing. Yes. You know? Yes. All right. So, yeah, today's question of the day is, is uh, engine out in flight. What do we do? And then they'll, they'll read to the entire group. And that includes main, maintainers sitting in the sitting in the brief, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hearing what they're going to do. And obviously, you're not the one flying, but it's definitely good information to have and understand. And then you can take that and look at your own ground procedures and say, are ours as robust as that? And in many cases, yes. 
Uh, they are, but maybe not. Especially, this is in the dig at the general aviation realm, but I know the manuals in the general aviation realm were written by the person who built it as they were building it in 1955. So, uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah, it might not be as, uh, as thorough as you want them to be. Right. Or, uh, it's like very basic engine fire, put fire out. Cool. Yeah. How do I do that? <laughs> right. And engine fire, extinguish fire. Huh? Okay. Easy day. <laughs> how, how do I do that at 5,000 feet? Yeah. <laughs> or what do I do when there's no, uh, fire extinguisher nearby? Ah, uh, well, that's when you uh, pray to whatever God you believe in and hope for the best. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, MVP mentioned about uh, having 90 days of rehearsing or look or reviewing your procedures, right? Uh, there's a multitude of emergency procedures that, per- that are pertain to ground crew, but you know, there's a good few that really stand out that you will pray you will never have to use these like uh, engine fire, uh engine uh uncommanded acceleration deceleration um fuel spills like a no kidding like more than five gallons fuel spill uh hydraulic pressure either under pressure over pressure uh some like someone gets doused in some in in their eyes or whatnot there there's a multitude there's like at least 12 of them that we can run through but um the severe ones where like you no kidding have to have your your head on a swivel on I believe, you know, those are the ones that you want to try to aim for. If there's was if there was a test to this, you want to aim for a hundred percent every time. And the reason why, and then rehearse it every so often. Uh don't just wait for the 90 days or however many um intervals for a research. Just practice that on the go. Like use it as a as a question to uh quiz fuck your nuggets, you know what I mean? Just give give them something to to test their brain on because if in a, when the situation should it ever happen, you don't want to be the one that's kind of lost in the sauce and doesn't know what to do, right? Yeah. That so I worked for a place at one time that uh, that you had to take written tests every ninety days as well, every ninety or one hundred and twenty. Ooh, really? I think every ninety when you had to do your actual, you had to take written tests and then you would have to do an engine run. Ooh. And and you had to memorize limits as well which i thought always was kind of weird because you were always preached don't don't memorize verbiage because it can always change right mm-hmm. so don't memorize the items but at this place they forced you to and i guess by that point maybe the limits were done being changed for whatever reason right um, but you had to memorize those and it was like uh, oh you can miss you know uh 10 quit just using a number 10 questions and you can only miss uh two no it was a uh, it was an all or nothing. If you missed one, you know, take it again. If you if you missed it twice, guess what? You're going back through that particular part of the training class. And they would send you back to training for that particular part of the class. Now, now that that's that's pretty harsh, but at the same time, you know, when it comes to an emergency, you kind of want that, right? Like you don't want the you want a person who's fully understanding of what needs to happen should an oh shit moment happen, right? Um, mm-hmm. now granted you can't account for every possible emergency, but at least like, I don't know, whatever's the top three, uh, most severe risk causing, uh, emergencies right in your area, say for instance, like engine flame outs or, uh, fought ingestion, right. Or like someone running across the runway or something like that, right. Like whatever is like the most severe, most likely to happen cases in your area. Right. And you want to have steps to fully mitigate those. So I get kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about no understand what they are, where to find them, and what you're supposed to do should it happen. And then uh, in in that one uh, examples case, what MVP is saying, like they have a test uh, every ninety to one hundred twenty days, and they have to get one hundred percent all the time, every time, or else they're technically uncertified and they have to go through the whole stint all over again. Do we suggest you do that? Uh, that depends, right? Um, especially it depends on the aircraft you're at and how likely it is to have a problem. Like say, uh, if you're working with very fast moving jets or small, but very fast moving jets, you kind of might want to know a hundred percent of that. Uh, this one, uh, listener slash podcaster mentioned, a, an example where they were doing an engine run on a military aircraft and the aircraft experienced the uncommanded acceleration where it went from zero to 100 
in however long it takes for a military aircraft to go zero to 100. And there was a person sitting in the cockpit, was not a pilot. And this person like somehow developed superhuman reflexes on the fly and then <laughs> knew exactly what to touch, where to touch it and, and in what sequence. So it prevented a, a mishap. But imagine, you know, like if that person wasn't experienced or that person didn't run through those drills however many times to get it right. And this thing like auto accelerates into whatever have you. That would have been a serious oh shit moment and possibly turn into a mishap in itself. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, a mishap with a fatality. Yeah, no, no doubt, because that thing somehow gets up to full speed. Uh, it's it's hitting something and damages yeah. serious damage and worse is happening most definitely and because you know, you know aircraft are strong everybody but we've seen all the wrecks and stuff online and they hit the ground and they fold up into a million pieces they look like they're made out of paper mache even when they're made out of you know aluminum and titanium and composites and whatever else yeah uh yeah Jeez. oh yeah and, and kudos again to that individual for knowing Oh yes, most that's where definitely. that repetition training comes. It becomes second nature. And why? Yeah. Why you know? Again, it's annoying. I'm there with you. But in a scenario like that, goes to show you that's it may not happen all the time, and hopefully it happens never. But when it does happen, and or, and a mishap is prevented, uh, all the churn and headache and everything that you went through, and all those trainings and whatever else. By everyone in the chain of command from yourself on up and down goes, okay, I get it. I get it. now. I oh, see why we're so strict with it. Oh, yes. Uh, an example, uh, like we we're saying, like, it's better to know it and not need it than to need it and not know what the fuck to do. Like, just be completely fawning, lost in the sauce. Um, an example from my end. And it, it's, it started like just a... A shoulder shrug like whatever's and then it immediately turned immediately swung in the other direction and turned into an emergency so in my case uh, i was starting an engine at night it was going to do a, a late night flight it started with a um a hot start uh for those who don't know it's like uh, an aircraft starts hotter than it typically does and then depending on what kind of aircraft it is it can make some cool flame effects on the exhaust end <laughs> which it wasn't it's not supposed to do that and uh, so at hot starts it shoots out a flame kind of like a like a cartoon air, uh, show and it's like okay cool i see a little light show at night and within seconds uh this the the fire flame doesn't go out and you can see a little a little um flickering of fire inside the engine cowling I'm like okay that's not supposed to happen right <laughs> and i maybe had like maybe three seconds to react and tell the pilots like fire <laughs> oh my god fire it, it, it but that was my first time ever experiencing an aircraft fire like ever even at night for that matter so everything was brighter everything was hotter everything just like was way more intense than it probably was but it was that that flash realization like oh shit there's a fire and I, f I almost forgot how to do the emergency fire signal, right? <laughs> and uh, the pilot's looking at me like, the fuck is he talking about, right? I'm like, fire, goddammit, fire. <laughs> and then I, I, um, before the pilot like, knew what I was saying, I reached into the, uh, to the nearest uh, fire extinguisher and I started aiming it towards the engine that was on fire. And then the pilot immediately gets it like, oh, fuck, fire. I, get, I think at that time, like in those three seconds, he realized his MGT was like abnormally spiking. And so he did whatever he did in the cockpit. I'm not 100% on what it was. Whatever his checklist said, I just remember like I grabbed a fire extinguisher and I'm like dowsing this thing <laughs> from the outside in. You know? Yeah, not to laugh at a serious situation, but when you were like, fire! And all I was thinking was, from, has anybody seen the American version of the show, The Office? Yeah. <laughs> where Dwight sets fire in the, in the office to, as a training exercise for everybody? Yeah. <laughs> fire. What's the procedure? What do we do, everybody? And then he <laughs> throws the fireworks out there. <laughs> they start popping off. And like, oh my God, what is that? The fire shooting at us. <laughs> like, I just, when you said fire, that's what popped into my head was that whole scene, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hysterical. And um, a second example, not to poke uh, 
about uh, to the pilots in general, but um, another engine fire at night again. I don't know what it is, man. Maybe I'm cursed at engine fires at night, but um, this was in a different scenario, different aircraft. aircraft uh, it was doing like a, a power assurance check, an, an engine run, basically, just to verify parameters and stuff. So at the end, there, there's an instructor pilot doing the engine run, and there's like a, can I, can I watch as you do this? kind of pilot like it wasn't his aircraft it wasn't his um cert or whatever but he just wanted to watch like okay whatever just don't touch nothing and they're doing their engine run procedures and whatnot and somehow some way the right hand side engine decides to catch on fire and i see that the pilot's aware i see that there's a another technician on the other side and they're aware like okay fire and I don't know what, what spooked these pilots, but I guess it, it, their fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response kicked in, and they immediately unbuckle and jet out of the plane. Like, just got up and left. <laughs> wait, wait a like, minute. Bye. <laughs> it's still running. <laughs> yeah, right? So imagine my, imagine my response, right? Like, I'm saying, okay, they got this. They, they, they see it. They know what's up. I see it. They know what's up. And so you turn around to go to the launch box. So your backs to the running, running aircraft. And all of a sudden you see the air crew sprint past you, but you still hear the aircraft running. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, that's, that was weird. Wonder where they're going. Kind of oh. do that double take over your shoulder. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Fire. <laughs> right. Exactly that, man. Like, and since you mentioned the office, right? Like everyone's having like, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Steve Carell was like, everybody don't panic. And they're all panicking. <laughs> yeah. What's the procedure? Stay calm. What do we do? Stay fucking calm. <laughs> <laughs> just dip. They just straight dipped out, right? Like gone. Uh, What's and, he runs out of his office. He goes, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> that's what the, that's what the air crew said. Oh my God, it's happening. And they ran away. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. And this thing is, <laughs> this thing is still spinning in place. 100%. And, and the right hand side's on fire. Like, oh my God, <laughs> is that, did that really just happen? Right. And then, so now like, you're thinking like, okay, um, if how do I stop the aircraft from 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 running when no one's in control of the plane, <laughs> right? It's like again one of those oh shit scenarios, and some some things you just can't plan for, but that 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 really just blew my brain away. I'm like, there's no one in charge of this plane, and it's running at a hundred percent on fire. It's, it's, oh. oh god! Oh my gosh! Oh god! <laughs> You're like, I've trained for this. I don't. I don't know when, but I, I've trained for this. <laughs> yeah. Now, so for those for those who uh, who are unfamiliar, like this was a helicopter, no less. So there's not like, oh, it's okay. It's tied down. There's chains on it. There's you know chalks in place. The brakes are on. Like no. <laughs> and these are one of those helicopters that don't have wheels. So there's really nothing to chain it to. <laughs> Or at least it wasn't chained down, you know, because the procedures didn't require us to chain things down as long as right. there's people. And it's, and it's one click on the collector from from taking flight. Yes. Right. So imagine that, right? Like it's a helicopter spinning at 100 percent. The aircraft is on fire and the people who usually have control of the plane are not present. <laughs> so yeah, the people who've <laughs> trained to be in control of the, of the helicopter have vacated the building. <laughs> right so imagine that right like if it if there was a strong wind when that happened this thing would have blown over or it would have generated just enough lift to lose all control <laughs> and yeah that would have been a bad day thankfully there was no wind and the technician who was closer to the plane at the time was able to kind of jump in and pull the fire handles and whatnot as i doused this thing in halon <laughs> um, but Again, man, like that, that was such an oh shit factor, man. Like, and it, it, I think what made it worse was the fact that two people dipped out of the plane as it was happening. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, do they know something I don't know? What's <laughs> should we run? after everything is like calm down and the fire's out and they're like, all right, we need to do this after action debrief. And you walk in there and you're covered in soot and smoke and halon and whatever else. And you throw your hat at them because they're sitting at the table already. And you're yeah. like, what the hell was that? You just like, left. Yeah. <laughs> like, my guy, I get it. You were scared, but at least stay there. <laughs> you know, like grab the grab like, a could, hold. Could you at least could you at least throw the off switch? Yeah. You know, kill the motor or something. 
Yeah, you know, or like just hold down the stick and just keep it, in, you know, like hold for dear life and don't move anything, you know, something, man. Yeah. <laughs> or as you jump out, throw the collective in the throttle so it goes goes way high and crashes somewhere else. Yeah, you, you know. know? Uh, Sounds that was a joke, everybody. Don't do that. Like, please, pl- please don't do that. Worse. <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> it's not our problem. It crashed in the ocean. Oh, okay. Well, well whatever. You know, immediately it's out of sight, out of mind. You know, no one got hurt. <laughs> but don't do that, please. <laughs> please don't do that. And you know, uh, for a lot of us, we work on a multitude of air, uh, of aircraft. So it's you say, well, you know, MVP. It's hard to train for every can every you know contingency or uh because it's just such a wide range of stuff on a on a variety of airframes piece to that so but but most fixed wings are relatively the same in in their systems and operation right yes switches are a little different located different places and whatever else but uh but you know, before you get in there and start taxiing around or engine runs or whatever else, kind of familiar yourself, familiarize yourself. You're not in that much of a hurry. I know we've said that before. You're never in that much of a hurry. Yeah, maintenance controls yelling at you, and yeah, the customer wants their they want their revenue flight and blah blah blah. But you know, taking off thirty minutes late versus never because the aircraft grenaded itself uh, and you along with it. Uh, I don't. I think that's. I think. I think that's worse. Yeah. So I'll use an experience of mine and stop me if I've said it on here before, because I probably have. But uh, one time I was uh, at a very small uh, private airport out in the middle of Texas. And the airport was kind of built in a bowl a little bit. It was very weird. It was built on top of a hill. One end of the runway was uphill. The other end of the runway was uphill. So it was a big U shape. And then it sloped off on either side. So even the ramp was downhill from the taxiway. It was a very, very strange setup. But anyhow, so I'm out there in the middle of the night and we got called out for, it was a fuel control. So we replaced the fuel control and we say, okay, well, we did the, did the preliminary rigs. Let's go run it and adjust it and whatever else. So we go out, we taxi out and fire it up, taxi out to the hammerhead, you know, Sitting there, and which is at the more uphill side of the end of the runway. So taxi uphill. So you're under power the whole time to get you there. Because, you know, many times in an aircraft, you can just be at idle and it'll move you. Not this one. you got to be at a little bit of oomph uh, to, to get up there. So we get up there, do what we got to do. Coming back down, I'm at idle speed. And I'm using the thrust reversers or the buckets to slow myself a little bit. But... I also don't like to, you can't just leave the buckets dumped the whole time because you're going to spike your EGT like crazy. And you don't want to go and have, have to do pull engines for a hot section. So I'm just feathering the buckets back and forth, whatever. But then my, my brakes go out. And I'm like, well, here we go. And I start gaining speed back down towards the ramp. So I dump the buckets and I let them go. I'm like, whatever at this point, you know. Uh, and I said, well, I can go uphill the other side. I either have enough speed that's going to take me off the, off the edge of the runway on the other side or not enough that once I get up to the other side, I could try to slow enough. And thinking about it now, I guess I could have got uphill and slowed enough where I could have pulled the emergency brake and then stopped on the uphill. But in my head at the time, I went or I said, OK, I'm going to start rolling backwards and then I'm going to be rolling backwards in an aircraft and I can't see where I'm going in the middle of the night. That's. That sounds terrible. So I said, okay. So I dumped the buckets and I got enough and I slowed down enough that I pulled into the ramp. And the ramp, was, thankfully, was open. And I just start spinning circles with the buckets dumped and just trying to lose speed and momentum with each turn, each, each circle that I'm making in the aircraft. And finally, I lose enough speed to where I slowly ease on the em- emergency brake and I come to a complete stop. I get out, I'm shaking. And I tell my counterpart waiting at the van, I'm like, well, just go ahead and call and get us some brakes on order. Because uh, I get out and he goes, what the hell was that all about? Are you crazy? And I said, uh, no, I didn't want to do that. That, that wasn't fun for me. So uh, get some brakes on order. Anyhow, where I'm getting with that, it's hard to train for every contingency, but know your systems and kind of what's available to you. Okay, my brakes went out. What do I got left? I got thrust reversers and I got the emergency brake. And, and then once I got 
into the into the lot. I shut off the. I was doing counterclockwise circles, so I shut off the left-hand engine, right? So that's one less thing pushing me. So I got one engine at idle with the buckets, you know, slowly slowing my rotation. So just know your systems. I got very lucky. I hope that never happens to you. But that was how I reacted to that specific situation. Fortunately, for me, it panned out, and the worst we had to do was change a couple of brakes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, but that's where I'm getting at. So again, training's important. Hard to train for everything. Know your systems. Know you know available. Try to keep cool, calm, and collected, and 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 do the best you can. Yes, uh, I also want to revisit too what you mentioned about having to do some after action report. Right. So, uh, in almost any major emergency, not like little ones where like someone got their shirt caught in in a gear or something like that i mean like no kidding like some oh shit moments some near miss or hard hard hit or whatever the case may be like if it's a no kidding emergency uh have some uh have some way to document it what happened right whether it be unofficial or official whatever the case may be and the reason why i say to document it is because your adrenaline's running it's still fresh in your head right so write down everything that happens uh, or something, right? Uh, key, uh, have a, a record of what it was, like a decent one, because once they start doing an investigation or once they start asking questions, some of their, qu their questioning might be suggestive and it might put things in your head that weren't there, right? Or it, you just want to, you're so traumatized from the event, you want to just forget it all and they start asking you details about it and you can't make w up ways from down ways, right? Like, what happened in these engine fire? Fuck, I don't know. I just blanked. Next thing you know, I'm I have a firing extinguisher in my hand. Or uh, no, all I remember is I blanked, and next thing you know, like my aircraft has however many gallons less fuel. <laughs> you know, or in MVP's case, right? We have to change the brakes. I don't remember why, but we're here. <laughs> so, uh, well, and that's the thing, right? And so that that was a call back to control. The the uh, the owner operator of that particular aircraft. Hey, uh, calling to let you know, and they're like, "Oh, hey, the fuel controls changed. Yeah, and ops checks are done, so that's all well and good." However, we lost our brakes on the way taxiing back in, and they go, "Lost the brakes," and you're like, "Yeah, lost the brakes." Well, is everything okay? Yep, no damage. We just need to replace the brakes. And fortunately for us, the maintenance control at that time were were maintainers themselves in the majority of their career and they understood but imagine having to call somebody in control who has zero aviation experience they might they might send an investigation team out what did you do to our aircraft and blah 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 yep in which case it's you know get your story and your facts straight but um fortunately i, I just looking back at that situation uh and I think the reason I chose the ramp instead of going straight forward on the uphill was because the ramp was empty. Now, was that had that ramp been full of other aircraft, there is no way in hell I'm going in there and spinning circles. So it would have been. It would have been uphill on the other side, either off into the dirt, or as I would have slowed down, I would have I would have kind of turned the aircraft into the dirt between the taxiway and the runway and left it on parked on the side of the hill. Right? So not not facing uphill and downhill, I'm I'm uh, perpendicular to the yep. taxiway in yep. the dirt, so I would have stopped. <clears throat> yep, and again and again, the reason, honestly, man, like in that situation, man, you you were pretty level headed. <laughs> I would say, you know, to make those two choices. Sometimes, you know, the situation just so is so quick and it's so traumatic that you really don't know what choice to make, right? And that got, that goes reiterates the whole training piece, right? So at least you can recognize what the possible scenarios could be should this happen, right? Uh, like say uh, an engine overspeeds or auto accelerates or the brakes go out, you get a spike or dip in hydraulic pressure, whatever the case may be. And and then we're talking about stuff on the ground too, case everybody. So like, uh, what happens in flight, man? Pilots, I I give it off to you guys that you have to have all that stuff on lock, and then you can kind of sort of memorize some of this stuff. Um, I'm sure there's like a general rule of thumb that they, they go through, just kind of keep themselves in the loop should, um, uh, an emergency happen in flight. But either case, like 
understand like when emergencies happen, your brain goes out the door. Like your cognitive thought process, it dumps. So, and it diverts immediately to whatever you train for muscle memory. And if your muscle memory training is trash, then expect to be some problems <laughs> or at least until someone who knows what's going on or at least uh, comes in into your bubble of emergency and kind of has semi of a level head and tries to intervene in your behalf. But, you know, like depending on the situation, you might not have that luxury of those three extra seconds or however many until someone intervenes. So uh, it, it, it really pays off to have some kind of uh, muscle memory or like non-cognitive non memory training. I don't know what the hell to call it. You know, like, like uh, autopilot mode, I guess, uh, is the best way to put it. <laughs> and, and again, going back to the documenting of it all, like it doesn't have to be, I, I guess you can be formal depending on whatever your local procedures are, but just even if it helps, just have a notepad, like, okay, uh, something happened at this time. And then from this time to this time, this happened so-and-so came in, so-and-so did this, whatever, whatever, right? Write that all down while it's still fresh in your head. Uh, because again, like if you, the longer you sit on it, the longer you wait on it, details start to get blurry and then suggestive uh, comments come in and then it throws off your memory even more. Well, I think uh, if you look at the NTSBs uh, and maybe FAs as well, but I think you have to have statements within 72 hours. Yep. Uh, because beyond that, it starts doing exactly what you said. You start getting uh, bias in there. Um, people start misremembering things or uh, fudging answers to benefit them. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's kind of the more devious of it all, right? Especially when it's like uh, when a, the company or entity is trying to save face, right? So they'll either help you out or burn you, right? So they'll say so-and-so forgot to do this so-and-so forgot to do that they costed the company money or they costed the airlines wazzy 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 and then next thing you know you're answering for shit you had no idea what you were a part of and then they're starting to quiz you on things that were nowhere near your lane to begin with right now you can obviously get a lawyer and figure this out but uh it it, it gets real intense when people start uh, doing like leading questions and you don't have the facts to back you up. Right. And that kind of, we, that kind of reiterates stuff we talked about in previous episodes where your write-ups, your procedures, your records, all of it, right. All that needs to be in line, especially when it comes in, comes to emergency procedures. So, and, and use your own experiences for, for training. Yes. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've told, the story I just told to you, like, hey, learn from me. Here's what I did. Make it better. What did I do wrong? Uh, let's build upon it. Let's, let's write procedures for this. And actually, the place I worked for at the time, I got home and I kind of generated up some procedures and I gave it to my superiors at the time. And I said, look, here's, here's what happened to me and here's what I did. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Fortunately, we don't have any injury or, or damage done. Um, but in case somebody else runs in the same situation, I would like for them to sort of know what to do and follow. And we kind of created like a little in-house uh, procedure for ourselves. And we had a, we had a, uh, it was like a little book of, of the run procedures for many of the aircraft we, we uh, operated on. So it was like a, like a, a quick, quick book, I guess, if you will, I'm running out of words for that. What am I, what am I trying to say? Six, but it was a quick reference, right? So you didn't have to carry around 10 different manuals with you. you had you know, everything from, from power up to firing up the APU to starting motors and, and a few other things. And we added that into those. We had like our own little emergency procedures. Much of was from the manuals, but we also had in there our own personal experiences and what, what we did, you know? Yeah. Uh, like a lessons learned book, right? Or, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like, uh, hey, uh, should you run into this situation or be mindful of this before you take off? You know, what is your backup system? Where's your emergency brake lever? Where uh, do you know how to, you know, does your aircraft have uh, reverse thrusters on it? If not, 
Hmm. Well, now you're relying only on the emergency brake or whatever else, you know? Yeah. Very true. That's a very good one too. Uh, we, we had something similar to that, but it was more along the lines of like stuff that we've seen in the past. Uh, but that's more along of maintenance, not so much emergency procedures. I mean, but that's definitely a good idea to have, right? Like, um, here's a list of, or here's some occurrences that have happened and we fixed it, but should this happen again, here's a ready reference for you to kind of base yourself off of. That's a damn good idea. Matter of fact, <laughs> I mean, yeah, work for us. Yeah. And, and, and then what that does, it, it, it turns it into from tribal knowledge to somehow it's going to eventually lead to a written procedure. Right. Um, we've, we've had some, in, uh, experiences with different organizations where a lot of procedures were more tribal knowledge than it was with written fact <laughs> for lack of better words <laughs> and yep the and the, it's cool and all if it's the same bunch of people and you know like no one comes in or no one leaves but i don't know many companies that do that nowadays especially with a lot of places having shortages so you're gonna see an influx of people coming and going so if there is some tribal knowledge that exists, if possible, write some kind of local in-house procedure or at least a reference book. So at least eventually this will turn into a written process. Now, granted, like not everything's going to be written and they can't really capture a whole lot of do's and don'ts, but certain things, if they happen enough times, that might be a light bulb in somebody's head like, okay, we need to fix this. And we need to write something up to this. And then you guys can be like, well, here you go. We've, here's a collection of all these different things that we've observed in however period, however long period of time. And maybe that's going to turn into a procedure. Who knows? Right. And again, like a lot of this stuff, man, it's as MVP and I have stated, like you can't account for everything, but at least understanding what you're working with where to find some uh, find your emergencies and then kind of rehearse it along the way so you have an idea should it ever happen because uh like we all the examples we've said and some of the previous ones like it's better to know it now and never have to use it than to need it and you're lost in the sauce have no clue what you need to do <laughs> right it's it's a lot easier to plan for something than it is to react with no idea of what to do next. <laughs> um, yep. Well said. Uh, any, anything uh, further about this MVP or anything else you want to uh, add to? Just want to double tap on remaining calm. Yes. It's difficult to do uh, under duress, but uh, losing your composure uh, will only compound the situation. So, so do your, do your best to educate yourself to remain as cool, calm, and collected as possible in the face of uh, some otherwise unwanted situations. Yes. Uh, and I, I will personally add, like, should you ever experience uh, a severe emergency, don't keep that to yourself. Like, uh, reach out to somebody, a friend, a relative, a professional, and, and air it out. Because... Um, some instances, if they're traumatic enough, if you don't, if you just keep it to yourself, it'll fuck you up. So, uh, don't, don't keep it to yourself. Like, uh, I think that, I think we're getting better at that where a lot of, uh, entities or organizations have put it out there. Like, Hey, if you've experienced some type of issue, like an emergency, an incident or a trauma, like here's your resources available for you to deal with it or at least, uh, help you out with it. So if you have experienced something like this, either of recent or in the past where it was just that damaging to you, please reach out to somebody, tell somebody about it, whether it be a friend or a professional, as we get it off your chest, right? And then that way you can help you focus on and learn from it in, in all the positive ways. <laughs> um, but hey, uh, what, let us know what you think, like what sort of emergency procedures have you found pertinent? Uh, what sort of uh, steps that you feel need to get emphasized more? Um, what are some resources that we can use to aid in our emergency procedures training or deal with post uh, incidents? <laughs> uh, let us know in our in our comments, in our social medias, our emails on our website. 
Uh, the absolute best way to get a hold of us is through Discord on Patreon. We have all sorts of conversations like this where we learn from each other and and keep that ball rolling so we can stay fresh and relevant should some kind of emergency or incident happen and we're able to account for it and deal with it as need be. But hey, on that note, thank you all again for listening and we will see you again on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. We would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Eric Shaw, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Mike Sherwood, Caleb Stockhill, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks like access to our private Discord, discounts and early access to our merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. You can further support us and show off your prowess as an aircraft specialist by visiting our shop at cancelformaintenance.com. If you like classy or rugged watches, visit our affiliate Rockwell Time at rockwelltime.com. Use the code CX, the number 4, MX, to save 10% off your total order. If you have suggestions for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at cancelformaintenance.com and we'll do what we can to get both your ideas and yourself on the show. Please support us on social media like Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or Twitter at C-X-M-X Podcast. Please check out our new comic series on the Tapas app. Like, share, subscribe, and comment on our comics. Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for your support and listenership, and we will catch you all next time.